Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. I'm Christopher Lawley, Planet Dharma team member and producer of the podcast. In today's episode, Catherine Poissart-Sensei and Doug Capel-Duncan dive into intimate relationships and explore the skills needed to make a partnership truly work. They look at how our cultural and family conditioning plays out in how we relate to our romantic and life partners. Capel and Sensei also highlight some ways we can begin to shift our incomplete views about how relationships should be so we can use them to truly become more conscious. Today's recording is part of a full audio course called Conscious Love. In the four-part course, Sensei and Capel cover a wide variety of topics related to intimate relationships. They explore the conditioning that impacts our relationships and how we experience our partners, including imprinting in the womb and our early experiences with family. And most importantly, they show us how we can use what our relationships show and teach us to wake up. Podcast listeners can download the entire course for free at planetdharma.com slash podcastlove. And now here's today's recording. Now, relationship implies two. So we have swordsmanship, we have craftsmanship, we have horsemanship, we have... In horsemanship, the other one's the horse. Right? Yeah. So, but the ship bit implies skill. The word ship in this case implies skill oh, or method. I see. Okay. And in relationship, it's, it's, the key is the relating. We have not been taught anything about relationship our entire lives. The only, the only study course we did for relationship was mom and dad as, a, as kids, right? So the only thing I know about women is my mother. And the only thing I know about men is my father in terms of how this thing works in tandem. So I'm going to, all my this women... Is, this is due to the nuclear family, <clears throat> nuclear right, family that we've got now. All my relationships with women are colored and coded to somehow around this nucleus thing called my mother, whose name was Grace, right? And then my relationship to how men should be and how men should act and what men are about is is this guy named Willis. So I I think it's kind of poetic that my mother was Grace and my father was Will. Uh, (laughs) Maybe it motivated me to get more awake, I don't know. So so this is quite, this is a really unnatural situation that we all find ourselves in because relationships are not binary, right? And humans are not binary. And if if you've ever had the chance to be in a community that's, living, I'm not sure how to put it, closer to the land. It's not, not like ours is in North America. An entire village looks after the children. Right? They've got a lot of different role models for what a male and female are like. Everybody, you know, a kid comes along and everybody older than that kid is kind of the parent at, at that moment. And then the kid keeps going and then you're not. Huge. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's a much more natural way of being and it's one that we have to kind of recreate for ourselves as adults because of how our society is now. Yes. I lived in a, a Inuit communities for years. I was worked in the Arctic 
and I was in this one little town, 108 people, mostly Inuit, and uh, I was had this Inuit young guy working with me, and I said, well, where's your brother, who is like six? And he says, I don't know. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't know? He said, well, I don't know. He's, he's not living at our house. I mean, 108 people in town, you don't know where your brother is? He said, oh, I think, he, I think he's living with his friend now. So this six-year-old kid had decided he just wanted to live in this other house, and he just went over and lived in the other house. And the parents of that house added him to their roster, and you know, and then this other kid went over here. So the kids were like almost independent adults, and where they chose to live and who they chose to be with, they weren't tied to this modeling. So like Catherine said, basically, the boy in this case has 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 different men as models for maleness. And the girl has 50, 60 different women as models from different ages for femaleness, right? And so they get this fuller view. Now, so we don't get that, at least in my experience. But more importantly, or, or equally importantly, is there, there's no course. Did you, you learn how to read? You learn how to write? You learned relationships? Was that on the curriculum somewhere? No? How about marriage? Any like courses on marriage? Like you need a driver's license to drive a car. You know, you actually have to know how to do it. You got to know how to fly a plane. You can. So the two most important thing, arguably the two most important things in life, is children and relationships. And there's no education about it. Maybe it's changing now. But if it isn't, there's fundamentally no academic rating, which means in terms of our society, how important is it? Not. And yet, as people, we consider these things to be very, very important. But society says it has not important at all because we don't do any education. Because we've got a very strong problem in the West. As the West, the single most important factor in Western civilization is the strong ego. The big man, the big woman, the alphas. And in Asia, it's the group. Strong ego, or do you mean weak ego? Well, in it's, the end, it's a weak ego, but, you know. Ta-da. Ta-da. a great individual. So relationship implies two people. Self, the great me, and other, the insignificant-er. The great I and this other thing that's supposed to be doing what? What I want them to be doing. Right? That's right. We get up in the morning, who do we think about? Mostly ourselves. When we go through our day, what are we thinking about? Mostly ourselves. Almost our entire day is spent self-referencing. So when we get to relationship, what are we going to do? Self-reference. Everything's going to be how it affects me, how it, how, whether I like it, whether I don't like it, me, 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 all day long. This is important. It's basically a habit. It is a habit, yeah. Right? And it's a really strong habit. It doesn't, just because I get together with a new partner... And it's amazing and it's wonderful because I'm falling in love. But that doesn't mean like all of a sudden I've got new habits. It just nope. habits don't work that way. Nope. So there's two kinds of awareness here. There's self-awareness, me, and there's other awareness, you. And how much time do you really think or spend contemplating what the other person's awareness actually is? Even in relationships, you're mostly thinking about how you're being affected. You're not necessarily thinking very much about how 
what they're going through or what they're being affected by or what's going on in their world or what they're you like you should be interviewing their parents yeah I want an interview with your parents before I get together with you. And in fact, in India, it's called arranged marriages. And they are relatively more successful because they don't let you be in charge of it. They go, no, we're in charge of you. Your grandparents, your whoever, your parents, your grandparents, and everybody else, they go, you're not going to work out well with this guy. We're not preaching arranged marriages. We're just saying there's some study or some examination that goes into this. Other than like learning to drive a car or something, when it comes to being a human being, me, me, learning is not what you do. Unless you intentionally intend to learn who you are as you, which we don't do. Generally. Generally. Generally, we try to keep it habitual. So this is especially pronounced today because our societies are so diverse, right? So when we talk about we're bringing our parents and, and the subtext there is like also our grandparents and our great-grandparents, but we're bringing really very foreign cultures that don't necessarily get on well together. Like I knew a woman who was half English and half Italian. And I was just like, wow, that must be really, must have been really interesting growing up in that kind of environment. But of course, if you go to the same high school together and you're both in this, in this case, you know, speaking a common language, you're not really thinking of, of that. Right, that um, you're bringing in downtown Perugia with sort of rural Herefordshire, right? But that is kind of what, when you really get to know people, at some point you're sort of like, whoa, I did not know this is what I was getting into, right? And that's where it's so important to be able to step into that because what we're doing is really kind of an amazing um, cultural and psychic alchemy getting these things to work well together. It's important to remember you were your mother. I mean, you weren't you with your mother. You were your mother until you're two years of age. And even then, cellularly, biologically, your mother is with you until you die. Your dad kind of falls out of the picture when he dies. He's not, doesn't have the same impact. But you were biologically, emotionally, psychologically, at every level, mentally, your mother for three years before you ever got to be you. And if you want to before awaken... you realized you were separate yeah, from her. Yeah. And if you want to awaken, you have to make that part of the journey conscious. Because it's that part of the journey that just knocks you into first stage escapism because it's not conscious. That, that part of the journey, you mean the separation from mother? Before the separation. From, from separation to conception. Right? And you can't do that by study, and you can't do that by courses, and you can't do that by reading books. The only way to do that is to do, go through it for, experientially. For experientially. And the best way to do it experientially is meditation, because the mind can't reach below two. There is no ego before two. There's no way you can think your way through this process. You must go through the process. Meditation is the way to do it. Call it something else if you like, but it's fundamentally a meditative journey. And it has to be a conscious meditative journey. You have to do it with intent, because otherwise the ego will just push you back into that cycle. And it's not hard to do, really. It isn't really that hard to do. You just have to make that choice rather than run into your addictions or your distractions 
thinking that they're important. And they're important relatively, but they're not important absolutely, because absolutely what you're after is liberation. That's everything you're doing, everything you're seeking, everything you're involved in is, is a mirror to what you're really after, which is this thing called awakening or liberation. And all the saints have been telling you this forever. And it's where your contentment lies, it's where peace lies, is you've transcended the story, you've transcended the fable, you've transcended the history, which now makes you capable of writing your own history freely. It's a huge, huge thing. And you can and it's not hard. Please, please. The saints have been trying to tell you forever, it's not hard to awaken. It's hard to be you. From everybody else's point of view, we put up with you. I hope this is clear. Your friends put up with you. Your partners put up with you because they don't want to be alone either. We love each other because we're terrified of being alone. Be awake and then you'll love everybody and everybody will, well, sort of love you. <laughs> Except when you tell them right, <laughs> what we're telling you. If you can meet it just as it is, without dialogue, without commentary, without feeling sorry for yourself or angry or irritated or attached to a view or an opinion or whatever, you just see it, let it arise, breathe and have be absolutely quiet in the face of it without trying to get rid of it or change it, 90 seconds. It goes through your system in 90 seconds. And that takes training because the subtlety of the ego to try to get in there and muck around with it is, is big. And, and just while we're on the subject, meditation won't awaken you either. Meditation won't awaken you unless you have the intent to use that to become more conscious and aware. And if you do, then it will. When we get in a pair bond relationship, we're doing basically two things. One is we're trying to resolve the mother-father uh, dialogue. And two, we're trying to get through the traumas. We're trying to go through the traumas of separation. And we're using our partner as a... Kind of a mirror or a, mirror trigger, or a trigger or a catalyst. To do that. And, and that's especially with, going back to what you said, that's especially with that trauma of, of separation uh, when we realize we were separate from our mother and, and we, it's terrifying, right? Because we felt so safe and then we feel so unsafe in that moment. We feel so vulnerable. And that's where the control element comes from is we're trying to get it safe again. So when we do this, resolve the mother-father Male, the, basically, mother-father dialogue is the male-female aspects inside ourselves. We have to integrate the female and the male in ourselves. And when we do that, marriage ends and conscious relationship begins. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on your favorite podcast app to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. Today's recording is content from Sensei and Capel's audio course, Conscious Love. The course explores many aspects of intimate relationships, including the unconscious patterning that influences them, and how to turn partnerships into opportunities for deep transformation. Podcast listeners can download the entire course for free at planetdharma.com slash podcastlove. 
See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.